Well, I have really enjoyed being uh, here in the sanctuary for these sola sermons. I'd like to review real quickly uh, the five of those before we move into glory today. The first was sola scriptura, in which we proclaimed uh, Christ, rather scripture alone, as our source of, of content, our source of guidance and direction in our Christian lives. Sola fide reminded us that we don't work our way to God, but we receive by sola gratia, grace, uh, the opportunity to be in relationship with our Lord and God. And so those two come together in a wonderful way. God's grace offered our receiving by faith, not earning our salvation, but moving forward in God's grace. And then last week, the wonderful declaration of solus Christus, salvation by our Lord and Savior alone, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. Today we're going to move into the last of these, which is soli deo gratia, in which we translate this as all glory to God. And what does it mean for us to give all glory to God in our lives? Well, it's an important thing to think about because the picture of heaven has to do with always praising God throughout eternity. I promise you the sermon won't be quite that long this morning, but we want to be learning to praise God today so that we come into the great heavenly of heavenlies at the great banquet table of the Lord, we're able to both experience and praise God for the glory of who God is. Now, all of these concepts are not just academic ideas that we need to think about for some kind of helpfulness in Reformation history. All five of these solas are wonderful, living, discipleship-related doctrines which help us both to know Jesus Christ, to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, and to follow Jesus Christ in the world, and today, giving glory to God for all that God does. I'd like to move into what that means by taking a look at the first verses of Isaiah chapter six. This is Isaiah's vision in the temple. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. John Piper has commented on this passage by telling us that the glory of God is the holiness of God put on display. And Piper goes on to say, the infinite worth of God made manifest is what is God's glory. In Isaiah 6, notice how Isaiah shifts from holy to glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when the holiness of God fills the earth, then God's glory is there for all of us to see. Well, what does this look like and feel like and how do we begin to access this? I'm gonna ask you to do something with me this morning. Would you please take out the pew Bibles, which are there in front of you, the blue Bibles, and turn to page 934, which is Psalm 96. And in the spirit of Hebrew worship, we're going to read responsively from the 96th Psalm, and this will form the, the core, the foundation of our message this morning. I'm going to read the odd-numbered verses. If you would respond to me with the even-numbered verses. Let us proclaim God's glory. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord 
all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. It is the of all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his course. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And may God add his blessing to this reading from his holy word. So we have just declared both ways to recognize and to give God glory. And I'd like to take a look for just a moment at ways that we see God's glory in the world. The first and, and probably easiest one is in creation. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And whether it's in the intricacies of the small detailed things of creation or the vastness of the world around us or the power that we see God exercising in the world. These point to the glory of God. Back in the 1970s, I was youth director at a church in Clarkston, Washington. And Clarkston, Washington is across the Snake River from Lewiston, Idaho, where Lewis and Clark, obviously, crossed on their great journey west. And Lewiston and Clarkston are set in an area called the Palouse, and the Palouse is a high plain. It's at about 2,500 feet but where the Snake and the Clearwater Rivers have flowed through the years, through the centuries, they've cut down and eroded to the point where downtown Lewiston and downtown Clarkston are a 1,000 feet down from the top of the Palouse. It was in, I think, 1979 or so that I was with a group of college students, and as you move in Lewiston up the hill, there's a place called the Orchards, where, of course, orchards were planted years ago. It's about a mile from down at the river, it's about halfway up from the river um, elevation to the top of the Palouse. And we were having a great time up there, um, this great church fellowship event, when the fireworks began. And the fireworks were down on the Clarkston side and they were, sh they were set off from the river. And so it was kind of cool to watch those. The, the fireworks would come up in all their colors and we were far enough away you could only hear a little bit of the boom, but it was pretty spectacular. But about 10 minutes after the fireworks started, a huge thunderstorm started raging up on the top of the Palouse. And so you would have these fireworks come up and, and blow their wonderful colors and give a little bit of sound. And then this massive lightning strike up on top of the Palouse and thunder that was so loud you could feel it where we were. And I kind of felt like God was saying, well, those are kind of cute, those fireworks. 
but look what I can do. <laughs> look at how my glory is shown in the world. And we oftentimes think that what we create is so glorious and so wonderful. But the power of God in creation reminds us of the grandeur and the wonder and the power of our God. So we see God's glory in creation, and, and I think sometimes we think that's the most powerful illustration of it. But I think there are two even more powerful illustrations. Because God's glory is also revealed in salvation. In Ephesians chapter one, the Apostle Paul writes this. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now God spoke into the first creation and we enjoy that today. But scripture tells us that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And think with me for a moment about the power of sin in the world, how it's distorted our relationships, how it's robbed us of, of health and of fellowship with people, how it's brought out wars and, and rumors of wars and prejudice and all kinds of awful things. And scripture tells us that in the midst of all of that, the power of the cross is so amazing that it can take us and lift us out of that sinfulness and actually place us in the heavenlies with God. And we enjoy an aspect of that today in our daily lives, but we also move toward the fulfillment that God is making all things new and we will experience that, you and I, and all of us together. And so I think that, that it's even more powerful and glorious as we think about God's glory to think about what he's done in you and in you and in me and in us together to transform us from sinful people into people who would want to follow Christ and who can follow Christ in our world. I think it's an important illustration of God's glory. And following on to that then is how our lives actually become different in the world because of it. It isn't a salvation that we experience only for ourselves, but it's a salvation that we share by the way that we live that out in the world. In 1 Peter chapter one it says, the faith that is tested is the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, that it may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so God's glory expressed in us through salvation becomes God's glory expressed in us through the way we live in the world. And again, I think it's miraculous that people who are self-centered, people who are self-absorbed, people who are self-oriented become people who want to serve God first, to seek first his kingdom, people who want to love other people in the world because of what they've experienced in Jesus Christ. And so whether it's supporting work in Africa, or whether it's walking down onto Roosevelt Road and being part of that, or whether it's going on a mission trip, those are ways that God's glory is expressed through the life that we make manifest in the world. Well, it sounds pretty big, doesn't it? How do we go about doing something about that? And I'd like to go back to Psalm 96 as it guides us through what to do. And the first thing it says to us is that we're called to sing to the Lord a new song. Now, some of us sing better than others. Thank you, choir. 
very much, we appreciate it. And some of us just make a joyful noise, right? And that's important too, that we be people who sing a new song to the Lord. But I'd like to look at it at two different levels because music is indeed the language of the heart. And whether it's the, the joy that we, we express and feel or whether it's the, the love we have for someone, whether it's the pain we experience that is still part of our humanity, when we sing a song, it expresses what is most deeply in our hearts. And so while we sing here in the sanctuary and we sing other places, I think it's also a metaphor for showing our heart to those around us. That there is a joy that comes to us in Jesus Christ. And that joy is something which is meant to be shared. And so when we sing to the Lord a new song, it is representative of the new creation that we now are in Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we can be kind of shy about this, I think, but, but I think it's okay, folks, as Christians, to share and to show the joy that we experience in Christ. It's okay to feel that. It's okay to declare that. It's okay to live that out in the world. And I think sometimes we're so earnest in doing the right thing and following the Lord in the most earnest way that we forget that the psalmist says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Sing to the Lord a new song. And so let's take a look first at the fact that it's okay for our hearts to express this in the world. But the second thing that, that the psalmist says is that we're to proclaim his salvation daily. Now I think of this as personal discipleship and conversations with other people, and I don't mean some kind of obnoxious, in-your-face type of witnessing that discourages people, but how often do we have opportunity when someone says, wow, things have gone well for you, or what a wonderful event in your life, instead of saying, yeah, I lucked out, didn't I? To say, thanks be to God, that this is a gift from God, that God has given this to me, and that's a proclamation of the goodness and the glory of God in our lives. Thirdly, the psalmist says us to declare his glory among the nations. This is the broader voice, and this is where we as the body of Christ come together and and move together in, in learning scripture and in then helping one another to live out the values of the kingdom in the world. That we are people who love others as Christ has loved us that we are people who accept others because they are also sinners who are in need of a savior. And friends, that we are the people who live out and declare God's values of justice and righteousness in the world. There is so much damage going on in the world today. Sue Ann led us in praying for that today. The violence and the prejudice and the things which, which demean people and separate people. You and I are called to be a bridge in the love and justice and righteousness of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear that gospel message, again, not in an obnoxious way, but to show a better way, to show a way that is loving and peaceful and leads people then to the cross. Finally, the psalmist says to worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And that's why we're here today, isn't it? We're here to worship the Lord, but note the tag there of the splendor of holiness. When we come into the sanctuary and we sing songs of praise to God, we we listen to the word of God, we encourage one another to live that out, we are reminding each other that the standards of our lives are not just our own. The holiness standard means that our lives are set apart. To be holy means to be set apart for a sacred use. Doesn't mean that we're perfect, 
doesn't mean we'll always do the completely right thing, but it does mean that as we point to the Lord, we live out values, values that God encourages and teaches us in Scripture. When I'm trying to learn something, sometimes it's helpful for me to ask, well, what's the the other side of that? What does it look like when I'm doing the wrong thing? And I think it's helpful, and I'm gonna share something with you on that today. In Acts chapter 14, starting at verse 11, there's an encounter that Paul and Barnabas have with the crowd who worship other gods. And listen to what happens. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out to the crowd, crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And so when we turn away from the worship of other people, when we turn away from, from glorifying ourselves, we honor God in that way. So to look at the four things I just mentioned, when we don't sing to the Lord a new song, we miss the opportunity both to experience and to show joy in the world that is so much a part of our relationship with Christ. When we don't proclaim his salvation daily, we miss opportunities to introduce folks to the Savior. When we don't declare his glory among the nations, we miss the opportunity to insert into the conversation, into the values of life, justice and truth and love. And when we don't worship the Lord God in holiness, we worship the things instead that we have made. Now, none of those are good things, are they? So we want to do the other things. We want to to sing a new song. We want to proclaim God's goodness. We want to declare him to the nations. We want to worship the Lord in holiness. Let me go back to the positive as we move toward the end here and introduce one last Reformation concept to us, and that is the priesthood of all believers. And the priesthood of all believers says that all of us are equal in the kingdom of God, and all of us have a job to do. So in other words, pastors are no better than everybody else. There's no job that cannot be done for the glory of God. There's no relationship that cannot be given to the glory of God. So how do we point to God in our lives? Well, I think in our workplace, we live out the sorts of things that God teaches us to do. Whether we're in the boardroom or the trading floor, whether we're students on the playground or in the classroom, whether we're in a storefront or any place else, we give our work to God and we work as unto the Lord. In our homes, and our relationships with one another, whether we are married, have children, live with other folks, to also model then the love and peace and righteousness of Christ as we nurture one another, as we care for one another. That's an important place of ministry in our lives, in our homes. As we engage in our friendships, we do them to the glory of God, whether we're on the soccer field or the golf course or in the coffee shop. That's a place where we point to the grace and wonder of God. And when we stand for justice and righteousness in the world, 
we stand for the values of Jesus Christ, that's where we show the glory of God. And it just boils down to this, friends. In Colossians 1, Paul says, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's a huge concept, giving God glory. It's a great task, it's an eternal challenge to bring God glory in all that we do. But we don't need to make it too hard. We acknowledge Christ's presence in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces. We think about serving him there. We point to his wonder and his love. And so as we wind up this series on the five solas of scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and giving God all the glory, I hope that reformed and always being reformed is an important concept now in your discipleship. And if you ever wonder what it means to do this, go to scripture and read scripture consistently. And it will share with each and every one of us both the encouragement to do the right thing and the challenges to the things we need to back away from. We're going to end our service uh, this morning by singing together the Gloria Patri. I would like to ask you to stand for this. We're going to sing it twice, which is something we pretty much never do. So once we will sing it accompanied, and then once we will sing it together a cappella. Let us point to God's glory. Please pray with me. Lord God, we are grateful that you are a glorious and wondrous God. And we pray this week that you would help us to show your glory around us in greater, more wonderful ways. And Lord, in doing so, we will increase in our knowledge and love of who you are, of your power in the world, of your love and justice, of your claim upon our lives, and your care for us. We offer this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And friends, now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the throne, to the only wise God be honor, power, majesty, authority, and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord, now and forevermore. Go in peace. Amen.